0: Hello and welcome to the 905 podcast. My name is Roland Tanner.
1: I am Joel McLeod.
0: And we're doing a 905 roundup this week. Um, with a a brace of stories from around the 905 and to a certain extent from further afield. But um um and uh, yeah, stay, stay listening. I feel I feel a rant coming on. I'm gonna, you know, judging by <laughs> our sort of pre recording meeting i i was just screaming at the at the uh, at the microphone a few seconds <laughs> if you if you want to hear me lose my shit um <laughs> stay tuned to the end but uh you may also hear me losing my shit in the first part of this episode um which is uh, coming back to that issue of uh, well we in our episode last week uh, or, or sorry the week before um pretty much put our flags uh put our colors to the mast if you like on the in- issue of anti-semitism um in the ndp um uh we will try to sort of stay out of the issue of what's actually happening in israel but no one else is staying out of it um we're being kind of dragged into it whether we want it or not so joel uh niagara regional council obviously somewhere where you yes. know we really need to discuss what's happening in uh palestine and israel um mm-hmm. Uh, there was a vote there this week. Um,
1: uh, why? Well, well, CH is reporting, um, that a Niagara regional council, there was a, a proposal put forward on the agenda to basically call for a ceasefire in the Gaza Strip, uh, that the Niagara regional council would vote on and presumably endorse. Why, why? Now, thankfully, this was shut down by Saint Catherine's Mayor uh, Pat Cisco for, and his rationale was basically the, our, the same as ours: is this is just divisive. It does not it has no bearing on the affairs of Niagara Regional Council. It is beyond their purview, beyond their scope of jurisdiction. Why? Why would they wade into this only to divide uh, uh, Niagara Region? constituents, essentially, Uh, you know, and, and of course he was met with boos and hisses and, and, and all this stuff. And it's just, I know, kudos to him for doing the right thing. You know, politics side, like this is just not the purview of Niagara regional council. this is, they have no jurisdiction at no point is Hamas or Benjamin Netanyahu going to say, Oh my gosh, what did, what did Niagara regional council say? Oh, you know, this completely changes our our, our tactics, our, our beliefs, our, our philosophy in the region. And there's something that we, you and I have kind of, we, there's really why we wanted to stay out of this for as long as possible, that who gives a crap what two schlubs in the 905 <clears throat> or a municipal council in the 905 or really the provincial legislature of Ontario has to say on this matter. They're, they're, we are not going to impact or affect what these, what these two parties in the Middle East are going to do about it. Um, it is shameless politicking by the left. Uh, let's be honest here. I, I like we 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 try to stay as neutral and, and down the road, middle of the road as possible. And you know, this is the, the left trying to hijack, uh, our local government or our, our provincial governments for reasons that are their own self-serving, but they do not serve it takes away the, from the vital needs of what regional council needs to vote on and and take action on and and direct funds and resources towards. This isn't it.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it, this is a this is a this is a, a play. This is from the playbook of pathetic left wing activism that has been around for my life. Now, you know, I'm I'm slagging off the left here. I always considered myself a member of the left, and, and me too. You know, me the too. NDP, in all honesty through my whole life the ndp are the kind of party who should be wanting and expecting someone like me to vote for them and support them every day and twice on sundays um but my god they're fucking morons at the moment and they are so <laughs> divided on you know there, there are no there's no such thing as an ndp party there are two ndp parties there is the hard left of radical socialist activists uh who are don't really care about mainstream politics at all they're entirely um uh, interested in uh, ideological battles such as colonialism uh, wherever they believe that they see it um uh, you know um, uh, gender politics whatever issue you know it's like it's not putting bread and butter on people's tables it's not really left-wing politics in a traditional sense it's posturing this kind of stuff is just the worst right. kind of posturing you know okay? just imagine the government of israel quaking in its boots at a vote from niagara regional council you know uh but you know this used to happen back in the days of apartheid and, you know and in much more much less ambiguous circumstances and people would say well let's have a vote and have a you know condemn apartheid in in hackney council well yeah great i mean it's it's a statement whatever yes we're all against apartheid what did it actually do to end apartheid bugger all um really um uh, uh again it was pathetic posturing uh mm-hmm. a lot of the time um and in this case um you know the one issue that i really get passionate about is bad history and there's so much ignorant terrible kind of History going on here in this in this issue of, of people. You know, sure, you're seeing shells raining down on Gaza uh, from from a much stronger, more powerful government, and you're thinking this is appalling. And God, yeah, stuff that's been happening in Palestine and Israel over the last fifty years is appalling. The only thing that's more appalling is what had happened immediately prior to the creation of that state of Israel in the. Uh, in, in the atrocities of the of the nazi death camps you know but that's part of the history that people seem to be forgetting and it, i read today well in in the context of that thing, there's some ndp idiot i can't remember which one it was um i think actually a federal candidate someone like that talking about you know, basically the uh uh the need to just extinguish israel entirely and Whatever you think about the creation of Israel, where it came from, why it came into being. And I suspect these people know nothing about it, frankly. you know, We had an NTB candidate who's now an elected (laughs) member of a school board, if I remember rightly, who didn't know what Auschwitz was just a few years ago. I mean, this is where this this kind of bullshit comes from, that someone, an adult, a grown adult with an education running for a major political party doesn't know what Auschwitz is. What the fuck?
1: Well, let's go on about the We're you bring up the NDP the other aspect of this story that we want to chime in on was Sarah Jama the former uh, NDP MPP for Hamilton Center uh, still has a lot of support in the NDP apparent the at least the federal MPP NDP, uh, NDP so many P's in there I'm sorry folks <laughs> um there's a letter from uh, the Guelph uh, NDP federal candidate uh, and her writing association, uh, Janice Folk Dawson, is the name, who wrote wrote to Merritt Styles, the leader of the provincial NDP, were saying that Sarah drama should be reinstated to caucus and that she should be uh, a member, and that the, her Oster is a symbol of white fragility and whatnot. And this is, yeah, just you know, tell me, just let. Well, you go first, and then well, I'll ship I'm it. say, <laughs> Hey, it's not white fragility. I, you know, Merit Styles, I thought let that nonsense go on far too long, in my opinion, is when she finally did stand up and said, no, this isn't what our political party stands for. She did the right thing. And when Sarah Drama didn't fall in line, you ouster, that's what a leader does. You fo- you toe the party line or you don't. If you don't, see you later. Um, It's clear to me, we've had this discussion on this podcast before. We had it with, uh, when we had Joey Coleman on to talk about this, uh, this ouster and the fact that you're right, there's two size of the NDP, you have the, the practical union organization side, the, the ones who are on the ground actually getting in the mud, organizing and, and demonst- and demonstrating and doing the actual legislative framework for their agenda. You have those side, the, the practical side. Then you have that social justice side that is very much all rainbows and unicorns. And, and wouldn't it be great if every, if every grievance could be solved with a protest and whatnot. And that's kind of those two sides are, are, I think, irreconcilable, and it's why the NDP constantly fails to get things done in this province and in this country. Why they constantly fail to rise to the occasion? Here's a perfect example. Why, why is the provincial NDP member of the Ontario Legislature chiming in on this? What what is she hoping to accomplish? legislatively in Toronto. Yes, I know we all have our personal opinions. We all have our our personal beliefs and, and thought processes on this. And you have a right to express it. True. However, practically, what is she hoping to do here? What is she hoping to accomplish in the Ontario legislature? See, everything she wants to get done, gets done. She's able to have the Ontario legislature condemn Israel and, and 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 declare that Palestine should be free and and all this nonsense that she's she's advocating at the moment, say she actually gets this put through the Ontario legislature, it will accomplish zero for the people in Gaza or in Israel, and but other than she gets to score some political points from her cushy seat in Hamilton Centre, I, I I don't get the point. So kudos to Maristelle for taking the right. Role as leader and eventually booting her from caucus. But it tells me that the NDP, federally and provincially, have a long way to go to reconcile this side. You know, this notion of, oh, we're going to pass all this, let, you know, this, this, these, we're going to let everybody know what our, our thoughts are and the idea of white fragility. No, it's a matter of. Mary Styles has an agenda to get-through and the legislature. She wants to oppose Doug Ford. This well, uh, is her jo- job as, a, as the leader of the opposition. You cannot have somebody like Sarah Jarvis says, Well, I want to make, I want to derail it on an issue that has nothing to do with the Ontario legislature.
0: And uh, this is what the left does. The left, the left rips itself apart yes. in, in religious wars. And when I say religious wars here, I mean that's a metaphor uh, on issues and causes that they will it's not left compromise purity. on and yeah exactly ideological purity uh um uh, and it happens always this is why you know in in the country that i grew up in the labor party has basically only had one period in government since 1979 uh when it turned itself briefly and and in other ways disastrously but anyway at least they were in government i suppose uh into a kind of a kind of a right wing liberal party um in, in a canadian context um you know i mean <laughs> uh, more to the right uh, Than the, certainly the the government of say Kathleen Wynne was, um, but then they return to their normal situation, which is tearing themselves apart with Jeremy Corbyn on on right, on right. An, you know actually anti semitism and and debates over Palestine and not actually you know sorting out the business of China. Former government, it's the same damn thing with the NDP. It's how the Conservatives always win because the left rips itself apart. So it's incredibly frustrating from my perspective from that point of view. It's also incredibly frustrating when you see people talking about white fragility and naming that phrase "white fragility" at Jewish people, descendants of people who came out, uh, who survived the Holocaust or managed to avoid the Holocaust, the few that did, um, out of the millions that were murdered, and, and throwing words like "white fragility" at them because Jews are just white colonialists, right? They're just they are different from 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 a British redcoat marching into, into fucking Sudbury. Um, I mean, f- how offensive is that? How offensive is that to associate the descendants of of the Holocaust with 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 just some white mm. colonial oppressor? It's bullshit. And when you're talking about you know that phrase, you know, uh, Palestine shall be free from the river to the sea. What does that mean? Let's let's deconstruct what that phrase means. It means that Israel will be removed from the face of the earth. And where will those Jews go? Do you think back to the countries they came to? Back to Germany or Poland? Or Eastern Europe, or Russia, are back to those places that they escaped from because they were being murdered in the millions, either by Stalin or by Hitler, or by any other of um, other countries. Give me a break. You know, Israel came into into existence in circumstances where, which yeah, I will admit, are problematic in many ways, and basically a colonial power gifted a piece of land uh, to a to a people. Um, you know, at least they they do have ties to that land. That's
1: where they're from originally. But you know, here's here's the thing that you know what I said before we hit record was that that phrase from the river to the sea is talking about the elimination of a people, the the Israeli Israeli people. Um, the argument that being made to support that that it's you know this colonial mindset and whatnot. Here's the problem with that is those exact same arguments can be used here in Canada or yeah. any, any person who's lives, who's living here in Canada can be said, no, we have to leave because we're all colonial mindset. Are there problems with colonialism? Absolutely. Is it, was it harmful? Absolutely. The problem isn't to say, well, let's erase what happened in the past and move forward. Cause I, I don't have anywhere to go. You know, I, I, I don't, I can't go back to, here's a question. Where do I go? Do I go to Scotland Do I go to Ireland or do I go to Germany? Which part of my ancestry do I get to go back to? It's not that clear cut, and that's why, like, we're getting way off the mark here. But like, there are second and third generation I don't Israelis. Don't think we are.
0: I think we need to talk about this because no one is. Everybody's talking about this as if, as if Israel bombing Gaza is something that happened this week, and it's just because the Israelis are assholes that they're doing it. No, it comes. It's appalling. I my heart weeps for the people of Gaza who've just who've just suffered yeah so much uh for decades. But not at the hands of Israel. Yes. I mean the, the bloody murder that goes on is appalling.
1: Uh, you know Well for the record, I think I want Benjamin Netanyahu turfed out of office. But it's sure
0: the guy's a monster, but I mean it's like on fucking October the seventh, Hamas Hamas yeah. are like the most objectionable people in the world. Now I'm not gonna say like, well he did, he did, she did, but that's basically what this whole argument is. It's like, well, let's just forget about that atrocity yeah. and let's get angry about this atrocity over here.
1: It's well, why atrocities two states, are atrocities. It's why a two state solution is needed.
0: Yeah, like, and, and and Hamas, you know, the people of yeah. people of Gaza are not exactly enjoying a pleasant time on the most peaceful day of the week, under a theocratic dictatorship of right. terrorists. Uh, God damn it, people, wake up and realize what this what what <laughs> this situation is. There's monsters on every side of this of this thing. Yeah, uh, but the people in the countries, whether they are Palestinian, whether they are Israelis, are just people trying to get on with their damn lives. Uh, and ultimately, this will only ever get solved by people sitting down and talking to each other. But exactly, we none of us have a right to a land. I mean, ultimately, I, I just don't accept that. Uh, uh, and that's as true for the First Nations of Canada as it is for. I don't know. Are we gonna say, you know, only the Celts have the right to to, to live in Britain? You know, all those Anglo Saxons and the, the 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 Vikings and the rest—they better sling the hooks back to Europe or wherever the fuck they came from. You can't do it. We've all arrived in places in the world because we just moved in without asking. Um, Israel's not so unique in that case. Uh, Terrible things have happened in which, uh, uh, you know, basically the whole history of America is of people dying in their millions because of disease and massacre and genocide brought about by people immigrating. But here we are. What are we going to do? We have to live with it. We have to get on with it. And and until we do that and get rid of this bullshit, fucking terrible history, um, we're never going to make any progress. People of the Middle East have to live together. They're there. They have to accept each other and get on with it. And one day, some, you know, probably when the theocratic maniacs uh, come the hell down and accept that actually it would be nicer if we could just coexist and run a business and let our children go to school – we might all be able to live together. Uh, but but until the sad, then, we're 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 stuck with this nonsense.
1: But the sad thing is to watch it infecting our politics here, closer to home, at the municipal and provincial level. Because somebody on the left wants to score points, and that's it. it. It there's there's no if you really want to solve it, go run provincial or federally, go work overseas. But until then, it's just placating your your virtue points that you're trying to score with your your. Respective constituents, and it's not helping. It doesn't it, like it doesn't help people here in Niagara Region or in Hamilton Centre or here in Ontario. All you're doing is you start hate, and what we've what we heard from our previous episodes is, yeah, that hate's directed towards uh, towards Jews. It's being used as an excuse to go uh, uh, attack Jewish people and Jewish businesses here at home. Because you need to make a point about how virtuous you are uh, over something that you have no no standing on. It's it's sickening. It's cowardly. It's it, you're not standing for anything. What you, to stand and say? Both sides need to come to the table to sit down and have a conversation is far more productive. I, more productive, but right now
0: in, in the current climate. To say, "Oh, you all need to sit down and talk together," is going to be seen as some kind of act of treachery by the people involved in this debate. It's like, no, 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 that's not good enough. We need to exterminate this country, and that's right. what they're talking about when they yeah. talk about from the river to the sea. Yeah. It's exterminating Israel, getting rid, and it costs it. They don't go as far as to say how that would happen, or you know, work out we those. Know, we know how it'll happen.
1: Exactly. We know how it happens. We've seen it in the past. Let's let's not kid ourselves. It's, okay. it's, yeah,
0: this whole thing crosses the line so much um uh, it's gone far beyond you know a a justifiable and reasonable uh uh discussed very often well discussed what 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 this israeli government has often done the extremes that they have gone to uh uh, on many occasions um that disgust is you know i think entirely justifiable and there are many many israelis and jews who would who would who would totally be on board with that. But this has gone far, far beyond that. Now that's not what the conversation is about anymore. It's anti-Semitism.
1: Okay. On that note, let's take a pause and we'll be back with our next story right after this. Okay. We're back. And again, focusing more closer to our backyard. Uh, and the fact that in recent news, uh, at the federal level, it was announced that the federal, federal government is going to cut, start cutting back the number of foreign students coming into, into Canada, which means that our universities closer around us, Brock, Mac, uh, U of T, Mississauga, and Scarborough, uh, and York University as well, if you want to throw that into the 905, are going to see fewer and fewer foreign students coming into our, our schools. Now, what this means is it could pose problems for the funding models for these schools in the very immediate future. Um it apparent the global news is uh reporting that this is really screwing up the Ford the, the Ford government's funding model for these schools. For the last, well, pretty much since Doug Ford got into power, it's been giving a lot of leeway to our post secondary institutions, not just universities, uh, but colleges as well, to basically bankroll their operations off of international students. International students get a far higher tuition cost because uh they they're allowed to. And that this was going to basically bankroll their operations for a good long time, which is why you're able to keep tuitions frozen for uh Ontario students and and whatnot, but also not actually have to fund post secondary institutions properly. They were just gonna bankroll it off of international international students. As we all know, this is a problem with the housing crisis because the more international students in, we need to put them somewhere. We have not done that. One problem has led to another. And so the federal government has said, that's it no more. We're, we're putting a, a cap on it. And that has meant that our post-secondary institutions in Ontario are now panicking. They don't know where they're going to be able to make the funding because they can't raise tuition costs. And Doug Ford isn't saying, well, we're going to make up the the middle ground.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, this is a bit this. We haven't heard anything directly, um, but universities are notoriously mum on their, fundi- on yeah, their I mean, funding. Yeah, it's, it's
0: very difficult to get people from universities to talk. And for good, I mean, again, for good reason. Yeah, fr- they, they don't want to. They don't want to piss off the paymaster, right? Even when the paymaster's screwing them over, and they
1: don't, and they don't want to scare off the alumni. I mean, when you have a lot of rich alumni who have taken those degrees that they've earned and gone off and made quite the name for themselves in the private sector and they go to them constantly and say, hey, do you want to go build a new library? Do you want to go build a new lecture hall and we'll name it after you, et cetera. Um, the re- reason why it's, I think it's becoming a bit of an issue though is out East Queens, uh, notoriously Queens University, a very prompt, I mean, I'm sure some of you listening have your degrees from Queens University, either law or or an undergrad or, or whatever have you. Um, but they're panicking because they're they're saying that they are, at risk of of going under suchly and they're, they're proposing drastic cuts across the board for a number of instant, of programs and courses and, and what have you, um, which we didn't really cover because again, not the nine hundred five. However, what got us was the Queen's Journal, the student-run paper, was reporting on a open house that the provost made on this matter to bring it up. And the provost had announced that they were in talks with a number of other universities and post-secondary institutions across Ontario. And that six other institutions that they did not name are reporting that they're in the same boat of this. They don't know how they're going to keep programs open or doors open, uh, which made us to perk our ears a bit. Say, is that how far gone our this crisis is? Is this, is this a, a huge crisis that, we're going to be stuck slashing massive programs and not, not the, the fringe ones we're talking about. We're talking like classical arts, history, uh, political science. Well, yeah, I mean, the,
0: the, the historians again, and I'm, I'm, I'm biased here. Um, you know, it's the arts that, that, that always take it in the nuts when this happens. Um, uh, which is why we end up with so many terrible historians in this province. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, this is, you know, I mean, declare a conflict of interest in that my, my actual day job uh, is involved in selling things to universities. So I guess I have a bit of a conflict in that when funding is short, my business doesn't make money. Um, and it's also in the arts sector. So, you know, I, uh, and I'll tell you this just for nothing as, as a general experience. Mm-hmm. Um, Ontario universities and Canadian universities in general are some of the hardest universities in the world to get money out of. If you think there's there's waste going on, it's not in Canada. They Canadian universities are very difficult to sell to because they yes. don't have the money. <laughs> um and, and no university in the world will claim that it's got a lot of money. They're all they all feel the struggle. Well, I mean, maybe with the exception of some universities in the in the US, but there's no no such thing as universities that will say, oh yeah, we're loaded. Uh, but I'm, believe me as a Canadian company uh, trying to sell uh, globally, but, but including Canada, it's Canada is a tough, tough sell because I, no one's got the money.
1: I can vote for that. And that's I,
0: before this started but that, um, uh, and, and Ontario. So the Ontario government basically funds, uh, funds Ontario universities at, at a level, about 50% of the net 57% of the national average already. and, when they came in they cut a, a a a subsidy fee from the previous government which was aimed at a uh, uh, lower income and middle class uh um students and they said oh well you know you know this is just this isn't necessary uh instead we'll just cut the fees and and that will have the same effect well that that meant that not only you know sure the the students are getting in for a lower fee kind of um uh, but the universities have just taken a massive haircut. And since then, basically since they came in, they haven't they have frozen tuition rates, all through inflation, all through uh COVID, okay. all through everything. There's been no increase in funding going to the university. So we're already half a decade behind anyway in, in the funding. And then when the, the federal government um put a, a, a cap on overseas students, um That's now sort of triggered the crisis that the the universities for decades and decades and decades, um, certainly since the 90s, uh, and this is a worldwide phenomenon as well, uh, really rely on overseas students. I'm not quite sure what the logic was of the federal government to put what seems like a very stringent cap on overseas students. On the other hand, I don't think overseas students should be used as a cash cow to stop governments paying their way and supporting education properly. So I kind of see both sides of that argument. Well, um, the,
1: the federal government and I think initially said let's open the doors because they the initially the idea is we're going to have these international students come in on the pretense that they're going to earn an undergraduate undergraduate degree here somewhere in in Canada and then they will you know they've worked out the numbers so many will stay and they will work towards citizenship and then We'll have this economy of smart, educated, new Canadians who will start businesses, go to work for us, and you know grow the economy. And that's because we aren't having enough babies to replace the boomer generation. And there was all this happening, and that—that that was the general consensus for a long time. And a good number of people say that is the only way we're going to keep the economy going ultimately, because we just the math just doesn't add up otherwise. The problem was, of course we invited all these people in, but oh yeah, we forgot where we are gonna put them? How are we gonna house them? And the belief is that that has contributed to a lot of the housing crisis that we're seeing here, which is why the federal government said, okay, we're gonna have to cap that number of people coming in. The trade-off was always that Doug Ford in his illustrious wisdom has done what he always does is he thought somebody else ought to pay for It's basically my belief is the Doug Ford ethos, right? Somebody else ought to pay for this project, not the, not the Ontario taxpayer, even though it's Ontario publicly funded universities, post-secondary education, but somebody else should pay for it. Not, God forbid, we we find the, you know, the, the billions of dollars in surplus that we're sitting on at the provincial government and maybe put some of that into post-secondary education, post-secondary funding. No, we're going to leave these foreign students, they're going to pay for it. They're going to come in and we're just, chalk up tuition, you know, two, three times the average Ontario tuition, and that's going to pay for the funding of these universities. Overnight, that plan has been thrown out the window by the federal government. And the question now is, how is the Ford government going to make, keep our, our institutions going? My my concern is always the Queen's statement of six other institutions that are there that could potentially be they're 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 on the brink of bankruptcy is basically what, what they're saying. And that I, we don't I've know which heard, words I don't know how true that is, but yeah, no, I mean I, I don't totally believe
0: right. it. I mean and I, I mean I've heard the you know, the reports that the, you know the finances say McMaster are not particularly spectacular. Um you know, Laurentian uh, Laurentian in Sudbury declared bankruptcy, well basically asked for bankruptcy protection right years ago. Um uh you know this the universities were encouraged I mean I, I'm gonna throw a little bit more shade at the federal government here because yeah I, I I'll criticize the provincial government all day and all night for underfunding universities uh I think the federal government was naive if it's like we've got a housing problem let's solve that by by putting this sudden out of the blue cap on on overseas students University I mean that that is a a that has been a major funding stream right. for universities for a very long time. You can't just switch that off. You right. can't. If there are housing problems caused by, by foreign students, then then you need to find other solutions other than just turning off the stream. That's ridiculous. Um, and, you know, I'm going to say that, that that's a dumb move um, unless someone can
1: tell me otherwise. Um, well, it strikes me as very panicked.
0: Yeah. I mean, and that, the housing, yeah. the housing, that's, you know, God, we've talked about how the housing situation enough on this podcast. We know it goes far, far beyond any of this, any of that. I mean, yeah, sure. That's a contributing factor, but that's not getting at the root of the housing problem. Right. If you just suddenly get rid of a bunch of students um, and we're encouraging immigration anyway. And don't we want, if you want immigration, don't, aren't the immigration only immigrants that we want the highly educated ones who've been through canadian universities for three or four years um you know for god's sake how short-sighted is that um uh, you can't you can't you can't ask for immigration on one side which they absolutely are and then turn off the turn off the supply of educated immigrants in in another place makes absolutely no sense so so yeah federal government Mm -hmm. i think that's dumb however um uh absolutely the provincial government is is has, is making a bad situation worse uh because it's not willing to pay for anything and the idea i mean uh, the the minister whose name is uh, let me just mind myself uh um uh, uh Jill Dunlop um <laughs> and was saying like well you know the the the, the universities just need to find you know 4 or 5 billion Dollars worth of efficiencies, which you know we're gonna do. That's that's so when you know, when any government, particularly conservative to, governments, talk about go- efficiencies, is always I want such, this government utter
1: to, explain to me what is an efficiency. I want them to tell me what that is. Because I, I have a feeling that they they think it's like this magical you know yeah. thing that that's oh, we'll, we'll go to the efficiency closet and we'll just drag out five billion of them, and that's gonna solve our problems. Like here's the thing: that the belief of I think we're coming to the realization that the, the, the philosophy of, oh, government is full of waste is a, a, a fallacy. It's a, it's a made up myth because Lord knows, um, I like th- this is going to prove it. Like we, there's no way our universities operated at so much bloat and waste for so long. There's just, it's just not the way that our, our system works. Um, And it's been
0: been proven time and time again in country after country after nation after nation after province after province. Governments that come in talking about efficiency, they never find it. They never find it. Tax burden will go up under conservative governments as as it goes up uh, under other governments. Um, The uh, uh, finding efficiencies tends to... What it ends up doing is it cuts services and and the people who may be you could afford to lose are the ones who are making the decisions about where the funding goes. So those guys never lose their jobs. It it doesn't work. And and, yeah, I don't ultimately that there is not a massive amount of, of waste in in any of the systems. Um, and, and the waste that is there is really, really difficult
1: to, to to get. I'm going to go on a limb here and say that not really a limb. I'll I'll stand by this. They, the one area I would argue that a government should invest in, there are a lot of areas you can say, hot, you know, transportation, highways, whatever. I'm going to always argue education is by far the best investment any government, especially the provincial government, can make. Not just education in terms of our our elementary and high schools, but also post secondary, and that's not just universities. I'm talking uh, colleges, trade schools, etc. Investing in that to say. You know what? I would argue. I'd say a, a good if you're the NDP or the Liberals listening, this might be a good policy point. Find a way to say the first degree is on us. Your first, your first run through undergraduate. Now, whether that's your your university, bachelors of whatever, or if you're going to trades, and you say I want to get, I want to work towards an apprenticeship uh, in a in a trade. All of that should be, nope, the first round is on us. Anything after that, if you need, if you want to go back and you want to get further certifications, or if you want to get a master's or, you know, a PhD grad school level, then okay, that's when you need to go find a way to pay for it yourself. And that's either through uh, grants, loans, whatever. But I'm, I'm of the mindset in this day and age, education is the key to our future. Ensuring investing in our schools so that our kids have the best technology and investing in our post-secondary so that maybe we can make it. So the first undergraduate degree is on us that we do not have to worry about that much debt coming out of university, but our, our workforce is educated. They are future, future-proofed if you will, and they don't have a massive amounts of debt that saddle them from getting into the economy and producing stuff.
0: Oh yeah I mean, I mean I agree I mean I agree on all, all, all the points in the, in the 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 um you know uh if you want to be competitive in, in the modern economy you've got to be well educated the countries that have the best education systems that educate the best prosper the most um and, and there are countries around the world that that have done exactly that of just just funding you know why? Why we pay for schools, right? I mean, I, admittedly, this government would happily have us all paying for schools as well, or would let the middle class or the or, the, or right. the wealthy opt out. But, but I think most of us believe that education should be free. And education, why should we suddenly have an arbitrary cut off at, at seventeen or eighteen, where suddenly you have to start paying or taking loans or whatever? No, it should be free. You should be able to go to university and not have to. It should be free. I mean you know, just I was the last generation in Britain that came in at the very tail end of that system as Margaret Thatcher abolished it of, of, of you, went, you got a grant, you got your living expenses, you got right. your fees, you got the whole thing. And then you left and you got a job and there was no debt, no nothing.
1: Um, Scandinavian countries have that system. Essentially they, now yeah. they, I don't know how, I don't know how they pay for it, but I mean, they have but, high taxes, they have high well, taxes yeah, but, like, and the like high Nor- taxes
0: mean they have a excellent standard of living and, and a Nor- healthy Norway, and well-educated Norway, Sweden, population
1: Denmark are. Finland as well. I throw that in there. Are notoriously for being wonderful countries to live in, to work, live, raise a family in. I don't see why we would not want to emulate that system here in Ontario and Canada as wide. Well. It, it I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer in education. I, I really do because we don't know. None of us predict like this thing that we're doing now. This podcasting thing. Roland, well, 20 years ago, I never would have thought that this was even conceivable as a practice, let alone a habitual thing. I didn't, I could never figure out how would this work yet. It's here. There's billions of podcasts around the world. We don't know what technology is going to come down the road. And the idea of saying, well, that's just ridiculous. That's, you know, the AI, we don't know what AI is going to do. We just don't. We You can talk, oh, it's ridiculous. Terminator, you know, science fiction or not. Here's the thing, we don't know what's going to happen. I, I don't, it could be the downfall of all of us. It could be the thing that will lift us up into heights never before dreamed. I don't know, but here's the thing, my kids and my kids, kids are going to be the ones dealing with the consequences. They need to be educated with how do we deal with these things oh. and cutting back on education now and saying, here's the thing. Doug Ford never, we I mean, know he never finished college. It was too tough for him. And I don't think, I think he's intimidated by people who have degrees, who have postgrad, you know, PhDs, who are educated on this stuff. He's intimidated by them. And therefore, it's easy to say, well, we're not, I don't want more of those people around. I want, I want those working class, salt of the earth folks who, who yeah. are like me, are scared of higher education. And we can't be, we have to embrace it. And that's, I'm not saying this is some kind of elitist, you know, only PhDs, but we have to be willing to say those who are, who get into the trades, we have to give them the tools to say, you've got to be able to adapt to new technologies, new tools, new ways of building things, new materials. You have to be willing, to be able to be educated on it because saying you're on your own isn't good enough. We need to give people the tools and the ability to educate themselves on this stuff so that the, the stuff that we never dreamed of in the future is what they're tra- they're going to be able to train and retrain on. Um,
0: well, and the terrifying thing is now that and to be completely frank and honest, Ontario doesn't have a top flight university even as we are right now. Toronto is close. Toronto's getting close to the kind of university that that has some kind of worldwide reputation. maybe Waterloo in some subjects. In all honesty, uh, Ontario's universities are not top flight. They're B, the B tier universities. Right. Um, if you want to be, you know, if you're if you're the brightest and smartest in Ontario, and you really want to get on in the world of academia or, or top flight research, what's the first thing you're going to do is buy a plane ticket somewhere else. You're going to go to the states. You're going to go to Harvard. You're going to go to Yale. You're going to go to Oxford or Cambridge. Yep. Uh, you might these days you might well go to China. Uh, because Chinese universities are <laughs> got plenty of money, uh, and they're doing. You know, they they. You know, the days when we just assumed that whatever the hell's going on in China, it's not going to be very good. No, they're doing top flight research, and they've got the money to spend. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not competing. Um, and, and fine, Canada's not the world's biggest country. It's tough to have one of those universities that everybody mentions in that first breath of like the world's top universities. I'm not saying that that's easy, and, and I'm not denigrating ontario's universities either i mean the, you know, the u of t's of this world very good canada has a couple of universities that are right up there but we should be aiming for better not for well let's just hope that they get by on on the pittance right. that we're giving them No, oh, we're not going to compete we're going to be turning out a- and you know it's just a classic brain drain Best people are going to, and they don't come back. They go and work in other countries and they contribute to other countries and they earn money for other countries. Right. It's so stupid.
1: It's just, yeah. it's short sighted and it's going to come back. I mean, I'm, I'm, we still have two years to go before the next provincial election. I am hoping that the, the talk of six universities all bordering on bankruptcy right now is overblown because my God, if we had in the next few years, we have any any university, any declaring bankruptcy and shutting their doors. Um, well, that, uh, that itself should be a, a cause to turf Ford out of power because we can't afford, it, it, this isn't a nice to have folks. This is essential. This is this is like, we got to think of, a, 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 our universities are like shutting down the 401. We would never, and I, I don't mean for repair, I mean just we take the 401 and we say, nope, can never use it again, bulldoze it, That's what shutting down a university should be like. We should compare it to that, Um, and that we can't. It just cannot happen because we don't want to fund it. If we don't fund it, we lose it. There's no coming back. Um, I'm going to leave it at that for that story. Last story that we wanted to talk talk upon, uh, very close to home. Milton, Milton, the Milton MPP, uh, provincial conservative candidate, Parm Gill has announced that he is jumping ship to the federal conservatives and he'll be running as an MP or running to be the MP, uh, for Milton, uh, uh, there <clears throat> now that means that the, there's a, going to be a by-election eventually, presumably in six months time here in, in the nine Oh five, we talked about this before we hit record. You and I are of the same mind. Bonnie Crombie has got to run for that seat because we think she'll win it. it. There, There's a, there's a strong liberal vote in, in Milton. If she, if you, they, Milton has the idea of having a leader in their, as their MPP, I think they'll very much go for it.
0: And correct me if I'm wrong, like the so Palmgills decided to run against Vancouverden. Yes. Well, they really think they're going to win, don't they?
1: <laughs> well, uh. We'll discuss that, I guess. In a, in yeah, later, that's another issue. That's a separate n- issue. N- n- another issue, but, but, I'm, but I'm more. I'm more concerned with, you know, if the the liberals, if Bonnie Crombie does not declare she's running for that seat, um, this I, is a I, gift. This is she couldn't
0: ask for a better seat. I mean, other than maybe in Mississauga, the by election came up in Mississauga. Yeah. Other than that, this is the best possible seat to come up for yeah. bonnie crombie to run for it was a liberal seat before it was a liberal seat um was it was it um i'm trying to remember who who held it um oh my god i, I can't indira, believe i'm blanking on name indira Indira, indira harris. harris yeah uh he had it someone who was a friend back in the day sorry indira uh um indira H- harris was the was the mpp um it it's been a it's been a liberal seat um it's it's um it's highly, highly winnable. It's just on the border with Mississauga. It's pretty damn close. Yeah. You know, you've got to run. You've got to run. You've got to get your ass into into the house. You know, this idea that you swan around on a bus and you make friends for six six months is no, you're 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 the government in waiting. If you if you want to form government, you've got to behave like the government in waiting, not, not like a fundraising organization or like a pressure group. Right. You've got to behave like the premier and the best way to behave like the premier is to be where the premier is, which is in the house, um, and, and taking that moron to task every day. I would, um, I would
1: argue you've, the liberals have got to prove, Bonnie Crombie has to prove to Ontario that she's winnable, that she's, that she's a winnable choice and you don't do that by backing down from a fight. I'm sorry, but it's, it's politics. You gotta, you gotta pick fights and you gotta win. This is a winnable fight for her. I think, and if she decides, oh, well, well, she, okay.
0: if she can't win that seat, she's no business being leader. Right, you yeah, absolutely right.
1: If she if she loses it, and she can't, then, doesn't
0: think she can win that seat, she's got no business being leader. If she doesn't look at that and go easy. Right. Let's go. She's a let's go
1: a an she idiot sh- and being no business being leader. She should be declaring tomorrow. I'm the candidate in Milton, yeah. and and because here's the thing: if I was if I was Bonnie Crombie, <clears throat> and Bonnie, if you're listening. This is what I'm telling you you should do declare tomorrow. You're the candidate in Milton, the liberal candidate, in Milton, and start a countdown of how many days it's been since Doug Ford has not called a by-election. Yes, we know he's going to wait six months to, to call it, but you call him out as a chicken, as a coward, as somebody who does not want to meet you on, on, on the, on the, the battlefields of politics. And to say you're ready to you're ready to run, you're ready to serve the good people of not only Milton but all of Ontario, and you put it back on on Dougie Boy to say, call call the by election. Like, are are you are you that scared of facing me in the legislature? And because we know she'll win, we know she'll she'll win. And here's the thing, you I know she'll win
0: because I don't have a huge amount of faith in Bonnie Crombie. If I'm totally honest, um, I, I'm not excited nothing that she's done has ever excited me however she should win and she should think she she can win every day uh so do it it gets well, you here, headlines this is free free this is gets you the kind of headlines that are very difficult to get outside of a well, rit that's period. thing
1: you want you want you run you win because everybody's going to pay attention to what you have to say for 30 days or 27 days long the ritz going to be you win you go to queen's park you have a few victory lap. So, Hey, the you know liberals have a leader and then, yeah, you don't have to hang out at Queens park. That's the fun thing is now you've got, now you can take your, your seat and you can run around the province and you can build up support there. Like the idea of like, well, I have to be in the house. No, you don't. That's, that's the thing. They, the conservative and the conservatives cannot say, Oh, well, where's Bonnie been? Say, well, where's Doug? Doug doesn't show up to work. It's not the pot calling the kettle black. Instead, I'm taking, I'm taking the government and I'm going around the government around the province. I'm hearing what Ontarians have to say but how much you screwed them over for the last six years. And they, or then when he says, when you show up, you show up to work and you start hammering with questions. It's a perfect opportunity. And I just say, look at the last liberal leader, Stephen Del Duca said, I'm not going to win a seat. I'm going to run in Vaughan because that's where I'm from. That's my seat. I'm going to serve the people of Vaughan and I'll wait. And, and let's he, just remind I,
0: ourselves that he couldn't even win in Vaughan. That's how well, bad that of a leader the, he was. The
1: reason why he didn't win in is because he didn't win. He passed over all these other by election opportunities that came up. He could have won ran in any number of by elections. He passed it over. Because he said, "No, no, I I want the pe- best person for that seat to win." And when it so when the time came for him to win, I know everybody says, "Oh, it's the pandemic." He he wasn't really, like nobody cared what he had to say because he passed over every opportunity to stand at the microphone when the crew mean, did come.
0: The last event, the last liberal event I went to as a liberal member was the Leadership Convention, where Stephen Del Duca became leader. Now, it wasn't necessarily... Those two events, me me leaving (laughs) and and doing this, and me leaving weren't necessarily directly correlated, but it sure as hell made it a lot easier. Um, It was like I could see the disaster coming. Um, It was a horrible event uh, to attend, uh, to see people piling in behind this man who you know but basically again bonnie crombie is one on the same logic we're too far left we need to be more like doug ford i'm sorry i don't get the math i don't get the argument um the ndp are the problem here for the liberals the pcs are just there they're always there yeah the problem is that the end is whether the ndp are taking your voters or not the ndp currently under Merritt styles are doing everything in their power to give you a gift horse back to being at least the official opposition, if not the actual government. Doug Ford currently is doing everything in his power to make it easy for you. Go win a by-election. Um, kick um, the government's ass. Humiliate them in Milton. Get your ass back to the to the legislature, which is what the job is. That's what you're supposed to do right. if you're a politician. Uh, don't, I mean, you know, we've, I suspect, had inklings. Um that's not necessarily an automatic decision by 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 the party um it should be it really really should
1: be Um, it's got it's got to be i don't i here's the thing you're what they have seven seven members in the legislature Mm -hmm. you don't have the option to pick and choose who does like you need every seat there this is a surefire win and it should be for bonnie because then you have a constant microphone. Nobody's going to care if you pass. Like if you pass over this opportunity to win a surefire bet, and you think, "Well, I'm going to go and I'm going to talk to people." Instead, I'm going to go travel the province and I'm going to go to the barbecue circuit and I'm going to go talk to the chambers of commerces around the province. No, you're not, because they're going to say, "Why? Why do we care what you have to say? You had that. You had this one opportunity to get the job, and you passed it up. So, why do I care what you have to say now? Every." Everything in politics is a job interview and you got to show up to it every damn day to pass this over because you say, well, that doesn't really matter. Nobody cares. Yeah, nobody cares, but they do care that you didn't show up. And that's that's what you don't need going into the next two years is the idea that you just didn't show up when we needed you most. Nobody cares what you say. Nobody cares what you do, granted. But the fact that if you don't show up, People are going to say, "Well, you're just another Stephen Del Duca, and why am I go- why am I going to go run? Why am I why, why am I going to come f- or the woodwork and say I'm going to put my name on the ballot to run as a liberal in the next provincial election, whenever that is? Uh, when you yourself can't show up to to lead? Well, this, this, I, I, is, so- this
0: is the first test for for Crombie of judgment. Yeah, the yep. job is to be a politician and to, and to run the province. If you're not climbing over everything. To, to to actually get into the legislature as soon as you can, um, it, it, you're an idiot. I, I, I know that this seems to have been a a a logic that does come from uh, that we've seen from the liberals, and we've seen maybe in other places. But you yeah. know, uh, yeah, maybe you lose. But I mean, my God, if you do lose,
1: you're in deep well, trouble lose, Anyway, like you know. the, then they, the liberals made the wrong choice. But they, they really but I don't shouldn't. Think you'll lose. They really I, think they win.
0: I mean bonnie crombie whatever i personally think does have a profile that, that nobody else has um, um or very few other uh, ontario liberals have um she is well known she's very well known in that part of ontario in particular um it's like i'm trying to remember what was bonnie crombie's um seat originally what was her with her... streetsville okay okay Well, you know, we're just down the road, really. Uh, sure it's not Mrs. Zargar, it's not Peel anymore. It's, it's Holton, but really, you know, we're talking a couple of miles.
1: Uh, not even that it's a, it's a five minute drive. Mm -hmm. It's a five minute drive from that riding. in fact, I, I would dare say it might actually be next door, but. She has um, to
0: run. If she doesn't run,
1: she's an an idiot. Um, I think so. It's an absolute gift.
0: Um, Palm Gill couldn't have done a bigger favor to the liberals, um, it does say, and I, was, I mean, uh, I'm just reading the quotes from 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 the CBC here of the Ontario Liberal Party spokespersons, you know, coming out with the most boring quote that comes from every political party when uh, someone resigns. It's clearly another sign that Ford's team is abandoning a sinking ship. Right. I, I remember the PCs saying that about the Liberals just about six months before they won another majority. <laughs> uh, you know, every time uh, uh, someone stood down, but I mean. Uh, it does say something that he basically sees it as an easier task and a more rewarding task to go after, uh, you know, a very prominent, uh, well-known uh, federal MP, uh, rather than going for re-election. It does say something.
1: I think if if Bonnie Crombie wants to stand out apart from Doug Ford, declare your intention to run, like too sweet tomorrow, Monday, um, whenever and. Just start baiting Doug Ford to call the by-election. Yeah. Make this
0: like, a rallying like, call. Like, hey, you crap, corrupt piece of shit. Yeah. You
1: like, chicken.
0: Call, you the wanna, election, you can, call the by-election. Call the, the thing, by-election. Call the by-election every can, day. Why isn't the by-election I mean, call? You're, you're absolutely throwing, right.
1: You've been throwing uh, shade. You know, I mean, like a, if Bobby Cronby's saying, Doug Ford, you've been throwing shade at me. You've been hitting me with tack ads. Here's the thing. Face me head on. Yeah. Send, send out your punk to Milton. Let's go do this. And let's let's face it, let's face down, you want to talk talk shop anytime, any week, I'm gonna run it run in Milton. And it that it shuts it up, it shuts him down. Like that's the thing like he has no retort to that. Then he lists because then he's like, Well, I gotta I'm gonna wait to six months, and you just have a clock going on a website, yeah. you know, Milton count Milton clock countdown and how many days have gone by without calling a by election. You call him out and you you just you be a thorn in his side. You embarrass them every
0: day. I mean, it's like, it's an absolute, This is an absolute gift. Absolute gift. If you want, you know, for media attention, the whole thing, uh, because like, why, what reason is there for not calling a by-election? What possible reason other than that you're chicken, you know?
1: Yeah. The people don't need representation. Let's do this. All right. That's it for uh, this week, folks. Thanks very much for listening. We'll be back, uh, in another week's time with more 905 news, fun issues, rants, all that good stuff. Take care. Bye-bye.
0: Bye-bye.
1: That's it for this episode of the 905er. Thank you for listening. As always, you can send us your feedback, thoughts, and concerns, or ideas for future episodes to our email, info at 905 We'd love to hear from you.